You're listening to a podcast on the Awkward Human Network. If you want to find out more about this show and all the other cool stuff that we do, visit awkwardhuman.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Interview with a Nerd. My name is Richard Carnas, and this is episode number 35. What? I'm kind of just learning that because I didn't know what number it was, so I had to look it up. Um, thank you all for, for joining me. This is 2019. It's the first episode of 2019. How's everyone's year been so far? It's like the end of January already, so we've got a good month of stuff happening, right? Right? Uh, what, what have I been up to? Not too much, you know, just, just riding myself away and, um, uh, doing a lot of D and D with the guys at, uh, Venture Ventures. Um, that's a show that I do. I don't know if I've ever plugged that here, uh, but you'll definitely hear it in the interview. That's for sure. Um, what else has been going on? I told you, I think in the last episode that I've been really into board games lately. And so that's, still going strong uh this month uh so that's been a lot of fun um and yeah just overall trying to have a good time in 2019 because 2018 was okay it wasn't bad for me but uh it was just okay and i would like to make this one a lot better so hopefully that happens um but yeah anything exciting going on with you guys I always love to hear from you, so let me know. You can always email at, what is the email? Oh, just email me directly, uh, richard at awkwardhuman.com. If you want to uh, go to Twitter, that's interview a nerd on Twitter. Twitter. On Twitter. And then um, you can also go to the website, interviewanerd.com, I believe is. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> but I think you guys can discern what's going on from all the stuff that I just rambled off. Uh, yeah, so we're back. We're back. It's the first episode of the new year. I already said that. Um, I want to do a review of a book. It's not going to be a recap necessarily, but there are going to be a little bit of spoilers. This is already a week old. Um, it's the new Buffy the Vampire Slayer that Boom Studios is uh, popping out now. They got the rights to it, so now they're doing them. And... I read the first issue and I got to say, I was a bit hesitant going into it, reading the first few pages. But as I continued reading, I started really getting into it. And it is a little bit weird because, well, hold on, let's 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 rewind a little bit. Let me tell you who's working on this book. So we've got um, the uh, writing is being done by Jordi Belair. The illustrations are Dan Mora. It's being colored by Raul Angulo and lettered by Ed Dukeshire, um, or Dukeshire, I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, Dukeshire. Ooh, that's fancy. Anyway, so they're the ones um, doing the creative work on this. Uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Um, I do like the book. It was just weird because I know these characters um, just from everything that I've watched as far as the show, the movie, and then there's... Um, the books that came after it that Joss Whedon was writing for a while. And then uh, who picked up those books afterwards? I think the bunch of different writers. But anyway, um, so it, it's interesting to get a new take on these characters. It's definitely modernized. And what was a little bit uh, shocking, I guess, was how much the characters have taken or it started off with their characters 
from their like evolved points, if that makes sense. So we see Xander and Willow in there and Xander's less of a buffoon. I think in this series, he starts off a bit, a little bit less of a, of a kind of like dumb character. I don't know. To me, Xander, I had issues with him in the very beginning and issues going forward uh, throughout the series, but he always uh, rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. But anyway, He's kind of like a cute little dork in this. And then Willow is, I'm assuming, a lesbian. Uh, There is mention of a girlfriend in there. Um, And she's, like, already dressing the way she was dressing at the end of the series. And uh, it, it, it seems like we're picking them up definitely for the modern times. But it seems like we're not going to see them evolve from a place to their end zone or to their end zone to their ending point of the series we're picking them up as if they're like already there uh except you know it's brand new no one knows each other yet um anyway this the story starts off with um buffy working in a fast food restaurant so that's already new um it's three weeks into when she first moved in she already knows giles as well and he's already, you know, being her watcher. It seems like they've known each other for a while, but maybe just as soon as she walked into the town and she's already like accepted that she's going to be this slayer. Um, so that's a little bit different from where the show was. And yeah, the, some of the characters are a bit different too. Um, we see Anya uh, in this first issue and she owns what seems to be uh, the equivalent of the magic shop or the magic box. What was it called in the show? I completely forgot. But uh, the magic shop that she runs in um, the series, it seems like she's doing that here. It goes by a different name, but um, that's what she's doing here. We don't see her as a demon um, yet. Maybe that's going to come later, but so far she seems like just a human who's dealing magics. Um, and so that's a little bit of a change for her. Uh, we also have, um, Robin, uh, Wood, I think is his name. Um, the principal from the end of the series is in here as a student. And I think he's on the track team or something. There's something at the very end. It's like a, a student bulletin or something. And it has like little, yeah, the daily school bulletin is what they put on. And so it says that Robin Wood, this principal from the original series is now, uh, on the track team. And so that's interesting. Um, I am interested to see which other characters that they're going to bring in who we knew from later on in the series uh, and how they're going to mesh them in. So far, I like it. Like I said, it was a bit jarring getting into it just because everyone was kind of like cool with who they were and who they wanted to be. And right away, uh, Buffy becomes friends with Xander and Willow. That's similar to what we already know. But... uh, they're really cool with her being a slayer. And I think that's how it was in the show, but it just seems like it's not a big deal in this uh, series so far. So I think that they just want to kind of streamline the like origin of this group, which is fine. It's just a little jarring. Uh, And yeah, and there's little hints of like what Will is going to become because she uh, already says that she's kind of interested in witchcraft after Buffy mentions that there are witches. And, and so, uh, Maybe we'll be able to streamline that as well. I don't know. I'm Not that I want it to be, but interesting things going on so far. Uh, I guess one of the main things that's going to be going on in this uh, series in the beginning is that 
there is a vampire who shows up who has an amulet that keeps him immortal and uh, Buffy can't kill him. And then he kind of just gets staked right away or not staked, but killed right away uh, later on in the book anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But we have this new amulet that's going to be keeping vampires alive. And apparently they can be duplicated or there just can be many more of them. Um, so that's interesting. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and then also at the end of this issue, uh, we see a mysterious woman appear, uh, and I believe they're calling her, I don't know if they do it in the book, but I believe the series has already said that she's the mistress, and that's basically supposed to be Drusilla from seasons, I believe, two and three. Um, so yeah, so she's already like this badass woman um she comes in wearing like this power suit or whatever is how we see her and so we're not going to see a weak drusilla i don't think we're going to be seeing like a very empowered drusilla which is interesting because i was a big fan of drusilla from the series because her character was so fascinating she was driven mad by angel um when he was an evil vampire and so she kind of just went crazy and stuff um yeah so i i like where it started uh and I'm very curious to see where they take it. I hope it runs um, for a long time uh, because I love Buffy and the universe. So we'll see where they go with it. But that's kind of like my first take on it. Uh, I didn't love it, but I did really like it. And I think it's just because it's a bit jarring if you're such a huge fan of the original to like get into these characters already being, I don't want to say confident, but uh just being themselves already so it was it was interesting but anyway that's what i think about that and there's just one bit of news that i wanted to talk about uh it's nothing major but just something that i found a little curious because i don't know too much about what's going on with the disney plus streaming service that's going to be coming later this year um i do know that you know they have a few marvel shows planned one that was supposed to be with black widow i mean not black widow uh scarlet witch and um I just found out a bit of news. Um, I guess the person who's going to be uh, show running this is going to be Jack Schaefer, who is currently the writer of the new Black Widow movie. And also, I guess she wrote All Lost Frozen Adventure. Uh, so um, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know any of her other credits right now. But All Lost Frozen Adventure uh, pissed a lot of people off because uh, it was about a half hour uh, long <laughs> and people just wanted to watch Coco. Um, so uh, it was fine. It was a fine short. Uh, there was nothing like bad about it, in my opinion, but it was fine. Uh, anyway, she, she wrote the Black Widow movie. We'll see how that goes, but she's going to be show running this series. But one of the things that I'm excited about, or not excited about, but curious about, is that apparently... This series is going to be with the Vision as well. And as we all know from Infinity War, the Vision died. So I don't know whether that means that he will be back by the end of Endgame or if this is going to be like a prequel series. Y'all know I'm a big fan of Scarlet Witch and I want for more than anything that she gives birth to birth to these twins um, like in the comics. Uh, and I want them to like explore this, this, I, I, I don't know what you would call it, psychotic episode, this mental breakdown, I guess, of Scarlet Witch destroying the Avengers. Um, I want them to explore that. So if this series gives us a little bit of a 
a precursor to that, that would be amazing. But, you know, we don't know anything about it so far. At least I don't know anything about it. And I'm not going to, like, theorize. I'm just saying this is what I would like to see. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I've noticed a lot lately and maybe the past few years uh, is that there's a lot of easy articles that I think people write online on their blogs um, where it's a lot of fan theories that people like to write about. And I realize that I, although I have my fan theories and stuff too, I don't like to dwell on them a little too much because, or I don't like to dwell on them too much because uh, it's just a theory and, you know, we don't know until we know, right? Uh, but I don't like to read them either online because I feel like that skews a little bit of my expectation or even my my anticipation, I guess. I don't know. But it, it makes me start questioning what I'm expecting out of it or not just what I'm expecting, but just, it, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't serve my enjoyment of the thing that people are theorizing about. I'd rather just see it and experience it uh, for what it's going to be because I do trust the creators. I do trust the writers and everyone who's like working on it, the directors and everything. Uh, so far, in my opinion, they've been telling a fantastic story. And so I'm just excited to see it. Uh, so I guess that's a long way of saying I'm not going to theorize. <laughs> um, but yeah. So what do you all think about that? Um, First of all, did anyone pick up this new Buffy series? And if you did, tell me what you thought about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you think that I'm full of shit and that it wasn't jarring. Um, but then also, what do you think about this Scarlet Witch show uh, that's going to be with the vision? Um, curious. Uh, I, I'm very, very interested to see what that's going to be, when it's going to take place. Uh, yeah. And that's about it for now. Um, we're going to get on to this interview. So I asked... Catherine Elise to come back on the show to talk about BTS, the band from uh, South Korea, because she, I learned um, recently, not recently, but close to when this interview was done, because this interview was done over a month ago. <laughs> but I learned uh, just a little prior to that, that she was a huge fan of BTS and that she had this like passion for them. And I was like, what is going on? And I know that there's like a huge fandom for them or, or a fan base. I don't know. For, for BTS and I really wanted to explore what that was all about and I got to in this and we get a little like serious with this interview we start talking ab about like deep emotions and stuff there is there are some sections where I start uh, rambling a bit about my own personal experiences that I don't think really addressed what we were talking about in the moment but I think it was just like feelings were coming out so I, I just started going with them but um yeah, you all know that I'm not very articulate in in expressing what it is I'm feeling or what it is I want to say <laughs> or what I'm thinking. So bear with me, I guess. But uh, Catherine is very eloquent in what she's talking about here. And I got to learn a lot about who she is um, just because of how she uh, speaks about BTS and her relationship with their music and the the guys in it. Um yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Here it is. Great. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to welcome back to my show. Thank you. Thank I, you for having me. I, yeah, you're. Thank you for coming. Um, I think the last time you were here, I think you were episode two, actually, of yes. this show. And I'm just so you know, I uh -huh. was so uh, 
embarrassed no. by the facts that I got wrong that I did a cheat sheet for this episode <laughs> because I was so afraid. I was like, oh no, what if I get this? Like, And of course, because th- what we're talking about today is very deeply important to me on like a spiritual level. Uh-huh. So I was like, <laughs> do not get anything wrong. So hopefully all of the places that I checked are right. Uh-huh. We'll see. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm going to ask you anything that's going to require you to like no, <laughs> but I know to. it all now. <laughs> so, I know so it all. There's nothing to fear. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into why you're here, I want to know what you've been loving. I have been loving Fleabag, which I know was oh. on forever ago. Is that a, that's the Netflix or Amazon? It or? is on Amazon. Okay. Amazon or Hulu? Amazon. Hulu. Hulu? Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> it's on Amazon. <laughs> I think it's on Amazon, which really tells you how much I've been loving it. Um, but yes, I uh, it's on Amazon and I uh, everybody has told me that I needed to watch it. They were like, Catherine, this is your type of show. Mm. And when I finally, I was like, okay, great. Another character piece about a flawed woman <laughs> that's not great. Uh, and is like, you know, sort of like the Amy Schumer-esque type mm. where you're like, oh, this is sort of a garbage human, but there are some redeeming qualities. I don't like, it really depends on the performance for me to get into people like that. And then when I watched it, I was totally obsessed. I think that the lead actress is absolutely unbelievable. And um, she... Uh, the person who wrote that I have heard also wrote Killing Eve, which is another oh, one on my list of uh-huh. things that I'm excited to. Is, is Fleabag over? Fleabag, the first season is out. The second season will be out in 2019. Oh, okay. Um, So, no, it's not done. It, the first season ends with like a, a real big unpacking of everything that had happened in mm-hmm. a way that... um, Like kind of the cool thing that you're not expecting is that it becomes this sort of mystery unraveling that you didn't even know you cared that you (laughs) didn't even know needed to get unraveled so so i've heard the name and i've heard that it's good yes this came out maybe around the time that netflix got chewing gum Uh and i kept getting those two confused okay um but i don't know anything about flea bag of what it's about what is it about so i will do like a broad sort of what the pilot is about so that way if anybody is interested in what sort of the pilot presents, then you can explore more because I don't know spoilers. Um, uh, the pilot starts off with this woman who uh, she's been with a boyfriend for a very long time and they're you find out that he's like nice, but sort of feckless where there's, he's an impotent sort of human, although he can't have sex. He's just, you know, right, right. He, for- he, he's not exciting in any right. specific way, but they keep on going back to this well of dating and, uh, you sort of realize that some sort of trauma happened. Um, This is a little bit of a spoiler. So if you really want to see Fleabag, don't listen to this part. (laughs) But uh, a little bit of a spoil is you kind of figure out that by the end of the first one or two episodes that I think it's the first episode, this friend that she's been interacting with, you realize that that friend is dead. Oh. And uh, and these are just these moments that she wishes that she could be having with her friend. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the first reveal. To And the fun thing about it is that it plays in this magical realism space while still being incredibly realistic. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of magical realism will heighten to the extent of you're just really living in a magical zone that where people are 
wearing normal clothes, you know, but this almost immediately something is happening. And then she breaks the fourth wall, looks to the camera and is sort of talking to the audience about how she is experiencing this thing that's Mm. happening to her. And all of this stuff on the surface level could go very wrong or make you feel very disconnected from everything. But there's just something in the storytelling and the way that the actress portrays everything where I, I was just so taken and it's that great British dry humor. So mm. everyone's British mm. except for um, there is, Oh, Oh gosh, I'm not going to remember his name. Brett Gelman is, is in it and is like this total dirtbag brother-in-law to this girl's sister. And I think the, th- Everything is complex. Like every emotion is complex and is presented one way. And then all of a sudden just, I don't know, angles a little differently. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's like everyone is a parfait or a pie where it's like the top level, (laughs) (laughs) the top level is what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And then you get to see gooey middle and then they just go back to exactly how you've seen them. Mm -hmm. So it's, yes, people are layered, but, but what they're showing you is also who they are. So Mm. I, I just, I have really been into the storytelling and the acting of it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it, but I haven't actually like checked it out myself. So I'll add that to my list. Uh, I know you said you might have a second thing. I know. Well, I keep on going back and forth about <laughs> if I really want to talk about it because it ties into my first thing. And so I okay. don't really want to be. You don't have to. Well, I'll just say <laughs> that there was an amazing music performance by uh, the one, the only Bang Tang Sunyundan BTS on the Melon Music Awards this past <laughs> uh, week. And it just totally blew my mind. I thought their. Uh, the performance that they did for Mama, which is another music show, was good, but it was not as good for me. At least what I have seen was not as like truly epic as the Mellow Music Awards. If you get a chance to see it, you should. It um, they combine sort of con- Korean traditional performance with these very modernized songs, which just sort of carries over the theme of what they've been doing. What is We'll get into it. Yes, later. we will. So, because yeah, I threw this out, and there's so much explanation that goes into all of what I just said, uh-huh. which is why I was like, I don't know if I want to talk about that. I also should pretend like I have other interests and hobbies besides the thing that I came on to talk about. But the truth is, I don't. Like okay. every other no, that's fair. Thing funnels into uh-huh. where I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I could watch this acclaimed series, or I could watch a V Live, which is like them talking about nothing. Okay. I'll I'll watch that. So nice. Um, okay, so I do have a thing that I'm loving, and it. I just finished it, and I don't think that I've talked about it on the show before. But it's an Amazon series. Oh, it's called Forever. Uh, oh, it's with uh, Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. Yes, and I did not know anything about this show going into it. Cool. Um, have you seen it? Yes, I've seen all of it. All of it. All of it. Okay, I knew nothing going in. Me neither. And I was surprised the entire way through like it was it's an amazing show I loved it so much and I feel like the 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 show just 
it, it takes you on a journey mm-hmm. <laughs> that you don't know you need to be on. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of, I feel like, because I've also seen Homecoming. My Amazon's brand for me right now has been like, I know nothing about this, but I've put it on and someone told me it was good. Oh, it is good. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Adam started watching Homecoming, but he did it without my knowledge. And so I'm a little upset about that. Well, he doesn't he's know dead I know. to us. He he's dead to know, us. Well, he'll know after this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that show is crazy good because the, the okay, so they set up this couple who like in the beginning kind of like meet and then it there's like a montage of them like getting together and getting mm-hmm. married and all this stuff. And then you kind of see that their life is just kind of like a mundane life. Like mm-hmm. it's just a whatever couples everyday kind of life. And um, I won't spoil it, but something happens at the, epi- the end of the episode that I didn't expect when the second episode started to have happened at the end of the first episode. Do you know what's so funny? I had the same thing where literally I saw the first episode and I was like, that's a weird anti-climax. Like, sorry, dude. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden the second episode starts and I go, oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Was that? Oh, I don't think I fully grasped what was <laughs> happening there. Yeah, because like. Yeah, like time passes and Uh all this stuff. And it's just like, whoa, that is crazy. And I think um, the moment had, I mean, the show has moments like that Mm -hmm. where like you just have these realizations of what's going on. Um, But there's one episode in particular that I really, really, really just loved so much. And it was an episode that had two characters that are not even the main characters. I knew you were going to say that. So many people talk about the episode. I also loved it Mm -hmm. because it's this like close ended storytelling that you're not sure what it has to do with the main story uh-huh. but you're still enjoying it it's good yes it's so good and it's just focused on two characters the entire time mm-hmm. and they just like they're characters that just keep meeting and like their lives keep crossing either accidentally or on purpose and like it's so good mm-hmm. and it make like i I don't know. I was just so emotional watching it, especially at the end and everything. Like it was it was just an amazing episode um, that was done really, really well. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, that's what I'm loving. I did finish it and I'm really hoping for a season two, but I think I'd be satisfied if it just ended the way it ended. Yeah, I'm so I mean, we'll have to talk about this off air, but Uh I'm really curious to know if by the end you wanted what happened to happen. Mm -hmm. Because I so ride the fence of like both wanting that for them Mm -hmm. and sort of wanting it not to happen. Agreed. Which is amazing. And I kind of feel like they also feel the same way, Mm -hmm. you know? So that is, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Vague, 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 vague. (laughs) We'll we'll talk more offline. Uh, But okay, so that's what you're loving. That's what I'm loving. And now we're going to get into the meat of the episode. Um, So I usually try to prepare questions prior to the interview. Uh uh, But we actually had like a mini discussion. Yes. uh, A few weeks ago on this topic. And I felt like we could have gone on forever and ever. Yes. So I was like, I don't need to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But what we're here to talk about is BTS, the like crazy phenomenon that is yes, <laughs> BTS yes. in America right now. And I kind of want to get your take on uh, how first how you came across them mm-hmm. or how they be, like came into your zeitgeist. And uh, but also how it came into like the American zeitgeist, because yeah. for me, I've known so many people that love K-pop for forever mm-hmm. and um, it exploded 
with what it seems like was BTS. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your opinion on that? And like, how did had all those questions I just asked? <laughs> Great. So let me unpack. Um, <laughs> so first off, the way that I heard about them was from my when my friend Wendy, who uh, we were work friends, and because I just like cannot stay surface with anyone mm -hmm. being the little introvert I am. I'm like, well, if we're going to talk, let's talk about real things uh -huh. like the trauma that we've had in our past, you know? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, <laughs> so she and I were talking and I had asked her this question of, you know, and granted, this is one of our first real conversations. And I was like, well, if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would you want to live? She said South Korea. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Why South Korea? And so we were going back and forth about the things that she enjoys about it. And uh, I was vaguely familiar with a couple of South Korean uh, like artists, like um, sculptors and photographers and stuff like that. So we were going back and forth. And I think because I was a little receptive, she is also uh, Asian. She's Chinese. Um, I think because I was receptive, she was like testing the waters. Like, how does this white girl feel? <laughs> like, will she say something <laughs> weird to me? Am uh -oh. I allowed to really talk about this? And, uh, and, and because I was receptive and had a vague understanding of something, she was like, well, can I show you this band I really like? And uh -oh. I was like, sure, send it over. So she sent me two videos, uh, which was very smart of her to not inundate me because I have an email that I send to people because now I've talked about this so much that I have an intro email for people <laughs> where I'm like, here are the videos. These are important lyrics that you should know. Here's why I love them. You know, I really have to rein it in. I, I go a little crazy. But that is so, funny. <laughs> so she sent me two videos. The first one was uh, DNA, which is the first song that a lot of people have. Well, not a lot of people. It was their first single that kind of had a bigger discussion in America, uh, which was they performed at the AMAs. Um, uh -huh. That was the single that they performed at the AMAs. So uh, I watched DNA and I didn't really like it as much, which is listen, on this episode, I'm going to give you the real tea. I'm going to talk about the things <laughs> that I have liked and I haven't liked. Um, I have since fallen in love with that song. And weirdly, it came on one of my playlists, like just a random Spotify playlist recently. I was like, God, DNA is such a good song. But the first time I saw it, I was very off put by it because it was a lot of bright colors and like just super candy pop. Mm. Uh, and the lyrics are all about like, I feel like this is a like this is our destiny is to be together. I was like, okay, cool. So just another boy band that's all about fall in love with me and let, let's let be generic about all of this. So it's sort of like whatever. And then she also sent me Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, and that really hinted to me that there was something more going on that I didn't understand, that there was a storyline happening. And also it was so vastly different than DNA. So the concepts were it, like the concept for blood, sweat and tears is sort of like this Gothic interview with the vampire vibe to it. Mm. Where you are like, what is happening? Somebody, they're also way more, I mean, they are androgynous in general. I think that's, sometimes they play with that androgyny more than others in blood, sweat and tears. They really were going for like dandies, like, you know, where you're just looking at them and going, uh -huh. Uh, are you a boy or are you a girl? There's like a kissing of a statue that is, you, you it kind of looks male, but maybe is female. You're like, so it was like, uh, 
I'm blanking on the word, but it was on purpose. It was like intentional. Intentional. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. It felt intentional. And which is a whole other conversation to be had about K-pop that I feel only semi-qualified to have because some of it is about Korean culture. So I Mm -hmm. don't want to overstep any bounds there. But um, I also felt like this playing with sexuality is something that kind of comes up in K-pop, but it's never really gay. You mm. know, it's like, let's hint at gayness, but we're not really gay, which I, who knows what, there's a larger conversation <laughs> we had there. Um, but when I was watching that, I just, I got the feeling of this larger world that was happening that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And because I'm me, if I don't understand something, I nerd out and have to find out everything and that's what ended up happening was like, Wendy always makes fun of me because the fir- one of our first conversations was me being like, oh, yeah, I think I found this group Bang 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 that I like. And Bang 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 is is the single of Big Bang, which was like before BTS, the biggest mm-hmm. K-pop group that had ever. So like I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And then by like week two, week three. I had already started learning <laughs> Korean. So uh, the via, dive was deep. Via the app. Uh, Duolingo. Duolingo. Mm-hmm. Okay, not a sponsor, which, but we will take you. Yes. <laughs> which, by the way, two days away from hitting my one-year mark of being on it every wow. day for one year. I know. I feel very proud of myself. It's almost come full circle now. Yes. And <laughs> it's so weird because it's around this time last year, a little earlier this time last year, that I really got into them, mm-hmm. which... All of my friends that are into BTS that we've talked to each other about it have all been around way longer than I have. And the and I keep up with them conversation wise. Mm-hmm. It's a point of pride for me and also a point of nerdiness. So, <laughs> yeah. So I would say that that is that was sort of my origin story with them. Uh, which I think weirdly when I started getting into them was when they were sort of having their first moment in America. Uh-huh. I got into them about a month, three weeks to a month before they came to America to perform on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Ellen show and perform on the AMAs. All of that stuff happened. So it was like this new thing that I had just heard about. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they were down the street from me and my friend Wendy and I were like, oh, where are they going to be? I wonder if we could go hang out there or maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that. So that I'm sure was also helpful because she talks about years and years that they were so far away from her and had never been, uh, had never been stateside or like they were performing. How, in how, how long, sorry to interrupt. No, no, um, please. How long were they performing prior to like last year's craze? So they ha- debuted June 12th, 2013. <laughs> and I, know, oh. and I know that because my uh, best friend's Bonnie's birthday is June 13th. So that is easy to remember because <laughs> technically it was, uh, uh, oh gosh, now I'm double checking everything. It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> yes. So that, uh, they debuted, they definitely debuted June 12th, uh-huh. 2013. Okay. So yeah. Now I think Bonnie's birthday is June 11th is really what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh no! I know I can't We're just send this to, to cut her. This whole thing. I, know. <laughs> I thought you had the facts. Catherine. I know, I know, I know. I have the facts about BTS, but not my own life. <laughs> okay, so uh, the craze occurred. Um, I know recently you went to a concert of theirs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fulfilling a a very short lived but lifelong. Uh, 
dream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what did you do? Where'd you go? How'd this happen? So I flew to New York to be there at their first uh, U.S. stadium show. So they performed at City Field in Flushing's New York. Hmm. Uh, and it was totally amazing. I it's so funny because they performed in Los Angeles and I did not get tickets to their LA show because there was part of me that was like, I don't want to spend this much money. And then I flew across the freaking country. But, um, but I, yeah, I also thought like, I'm not really a person that digs concerts. I have a real fear of crowds and there was just this whole thing. So, but when I knew that they were doing a stadium show, and simultaneously, there was a song called Epiphany that got released mm-hmm. that has one of my all-time favorite BTS lyrics, um, which I definitely have and will pull up as I'm talking. Um, <laughs> th- these will be English lyrics. I will not bore people with spe- speaking Korean unless that, I don't know, maybe that would actually in- excite people. I don't know. It I don't might, know. I don't know my I, audience that I, well. Let me just try and keep a, as little, which actually, while I'm looking this up, this is a good time to talk about like the weirdness of being a white presenting fan. Like even with my Spanish heritage, I know that I like move through the world as a white person. And so there is this weird moment of like, how much are you allowed to like this? Like, <laughs> like, in what way are you allowed to like uh-huh. this? Like, be gentle and careful and... Okay, so I have to... <laughs> yes, I mean, we're here. Let's do it. I have to it. ask you then, um, what was the crowd like? Like, So diverse. Oh okay. my gosh, it was amazing. And I mean, this is another thing that is kind of cool. We've talked a little bit about my Twitter group. So I created a uh, separate Twitter account (laughs) because I was liking too many posts that related to (laughs) BTS and I'm a professional grown-up woman. I'm 30 years old. So I was like, this is embarrassing. And truly, I just wanted to like every single post in a in a psychotic way. I wanted to tell people how wonderful they are. Um, I like the, the urge was so distinct. Now, is this uh, an account that we can tell people to follow or will you not? Name I'd it? rather they not. I'd okay. rather they not. Honestly, because the stuff I like can also get very raunchy in a way that it's like, okay. oh, I'm oh, embarrassed. Like raunchy about BTS or? I plead the fifth. I'm not <laughs> answering that question. Okay, that's fair. Yes. I will not um, force you. I will not bar- Bob Waltz's you. <laughs> Thank you. But I will say that like, Almost immediately, it was so crazy to notice that the way that I interact online as Catherine, which you can find me on Twitter, Catherine, not IRL, <laughs> always be plugging, always be promoting. Uh, uh-huh. um, uh, the way that I interact online as Catherine, which is like sort of cynical comedian, I, I, maybe not cynical. I, I wouldn't ever say that I'm necessarily cynical, but a little more removed, always trying to make a joke about something, mm. whatever. I am so sincere and earnest on my as other... BTS fan one. Yes, as BTS fan one. <laughs> I am so sincere and earnest and am so quick to tell people, I love you. Like, you can do this. I know you're feeling scared, but like, I believe in you. Like, it brings out this side of me that is so specific. Wh- okay, I have... <laughs> we're, let's get I deep. I know, we are, we are going on tangents <laughs> Let, and I'm no, here for it. No, let's get deep. Um, why do you feel that as a BTS fan, you can do that, but as Catherine, mm. the comedian, you can't? 
So to get deep. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Before I found BTS, I was actually like depressed, clinically depressed for mm-hmm. almost three years. And not that BTS is this cure-all or anything like that. But when I started analyzing it, I realized that I had gotten bored with my life and detached from my life Mm -hmm. because I felt like, especially being a comedian and in the comedy world, it felt like I was supposed to be aloof and uh, not passionate about things and a little detached. And when I found BTS, they were talking about things that I could not believe somebody in Korea was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that my world had become so small and so tiny and so consumed in myself that I stopped looking outside to other people. Mm. And one of the things, one of the songs that I found that really... Uh, captivated me was this song uh, Cypher Part 4 which is on their Wings album and uh, that talks about these like haters of like oh I'm sorry I'm not this I'm sorry I'm not that you know like and then one of the lyrics in English is yo play a hater you should love yourself and Mm -hmm. so it's this diss track that is all about like hey my life is good and um I'm not going to conform to whatever this thing is that you want to be. And like the biggest diss that I can have on you is not talking about how little money you're making. It's not talking about how little fame and notoriety you're you're having. It's literally telling you, you don't love yourself. Hmm. That is the biggest diss that I can give to you. Yeah. And that kind of, I don't know. It just woke me up. I they were also talking a lot about, um, uh, my, one of the boys that I love, my bias. We can talk about what a bias is. It's just your your favorite, but they're all my favorite. Anyway, the one that like <laughs> I just and I feel nervous about talking about biases because honestly, I don't like telling people when I like them. So like it's fine that I like all seven of them. Anyway, so the <laughs> the one that I that really just like speaks to the core of who I am. His name is Suga Yungi Min Yungi, and he released a single that talked about uh, mental health and wanting to commit suicide and depression and and going into therapy and all this other stuff, which was just amazing to me. And also when you look at the context of Korea, where talking about going to therapy even still is kind of mind blowing Mm -hmm. because it means you're crazy in a lot of circles in Korea still. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the fact that they were so open about it, it really connected with me in this way. Um, yeah, so I, I think that BTS Catherine is able to be excited because so many people that have found them, you have to be an army, to be a non-Korean army. I think Korean armies are also, oh, army is the name of their fan group. Uh, <laughs> army means adorable representation MC for youth. It's, a, it's wordy. It's wordy. It's wordy. It's like <laughs> saying that you're the person that's representing you anyway, Bangkang okay, Suyundan okay. also means bulletproof <laughs> Boy Scouts. So it's like they are bulletproof. They are protecting the people around mm. them. And then also their fans protect them. They're their army behind them. Anyway. So No, that's wonderful. Thank you. 
I'm, I'm like gonna just have. I know. I like saw you. <laughs> I saw you. So I took a moment to really look in your eyes and say thank you for that because I love it. And uh, so I would say, Catherine, that is an army. In order to be an army, uh, especially an international army, like you have to be someone that's curious, that's open minded, that is studious because so much of this stuff is not easily accessible. Mm. And I think that it is a little bit of what has contributed to their success in America. Obviously there are plenty of other awesome K-pop artists that do, um, that also put in as much work into what they're doing. So there's a larger conversation to be had of why BTS in particular that we can have later. But the, uh, the biggest thing for me was that, Oh, Hey Rocco, (laughs) there's a dog trying to get out. Maybe there's just too much sexual tension here between me and yes, BTS. I understand. That's what it is. He's afraid of that mm-hmm. tension. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, so you have to be a certain level of engaged and active in finding stuff online to be able to understand what their lyrics mean and who they mm. as people are and what their message is about. So when you're interacting with people like that, It's exciting. And I feel like I get as much energy as I put into this fandom and this group. I get back to Mm, me. mm -hmm. It feels like an equal exchange. What? Okay, so you're talking about like uh, there's more that you're putting into being a fan of BTS. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that you said, basically, like the translating the lyrics Mm -hmm. and actually the studiousness of it and like Mm -hmm. having to actually go in there and figure out what they're saying mm-hmm. and like we can do that with so many artists of like just reading their lyrics and dissecting what they're mm-hmm. meaning and everything like that but with this you're actually like translating it to english and all that stuff yeah what it feels like to me um is almost like you're reading into a lore or yes. like like some kind of history or or world that bts has created it's a universe it is definitely a universe there are inside jokes that you have it feels like a friendship is Mm -hmm. one part of it it's like simultaneously a friendship and a universe of a a, like a fantasy universe like harry potter or game of Mm -hmm. thrones like there is totally this lore aspect so you have on one hand the lore aspect and also feeling like it's your friends creating the lore. Mm. So those two juxtapositions of being simultaneously uh, accessible and otherworldly, which I think all artists do to a certain extent if they're doing it well. Uh, Yeah. And so I'm just, I, I was very taken. And they're also the cool thing about, needing translations is you leave a lot up for interpretation because there are some interpreters that are going to say like, oh, here's what this lyric means. Um, And then somebody else who, where they just translate exactly what it is from Korean. And then you have other people that are like, okay, if I were putting this more in like a context of someone who speaks English, this, you might not understand this notion. So let me simplify it to this thing. Mm. That is also amazing. And there's so much exchange that's happening between the fans, which I do want to talk about my Twitter group. Can I talk about it? Yeah. Now? Okay. So I have these four. Can you say what the Twitter group is? I, I mean, it's Twitter boobies. You'll never find it. It's a, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, okay. I thought, I thought you meant like 
It's like, I don't understand social media. Okay. So I was picturing like a Facebook group. No, okay. no so okay. it's like a DM between four people. Uh, um, okay. DM is direct message. No, I don't I, know if you know I, that. I do know okay. that much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I guess if you want to come hang out with us. Twitter group. Yes, like exactly. A, like a chat box. Yes, exactly. It's a chat box <laughs> that chat, takes place on Twitter. It's a tra- chat room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For you AOL users. Yes. <laughs> Back in the day. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. My um, favorite was I Eat Crayons. <laughs> I Eat Crayons? What was it about? That Cray- was the, crayons. Sorry, that was my the group, Texas came out. The, the, the AOL chat group that I was what did always you talk about? in. Whatever, like it wasn't like mm-hmm. I don't know why they named it that, but it was the funniest thing. And so people would just like go in and talk about whatever and make fun of each other and just like be. Yes. <laughs> so it was wonderful. But anyway, talk about your Twitter group. Okay, so we are a group of women that just found each other online randomly. Once I made this, you know, pretend <laughs> Twitter uh, handle, BTS fan one. Yes, yes, BTS fan one. There is a BTS fan one. It's Probably. not me, but. <laughs> But there is But that. go follow Yes, them. exactly. <laughs> Why not? Give them some love. Uh-huh. Um, so we just randomly started interacting <clears throat> online. Um, uh, and there four, we could not be four more different women. So you have uh, Tammy, who's African-American, lives in South Carolina, is like, f- I think she just turned 40. Um, uh, and she's, you know, she writes online, does online article stuff. And then you have... Me, who I'm now going from east to west. Okay. Um, so Tammy, South Carolina. Then you have me, who's 30, who uh, queer white woman in Los Angeles that works in the entertainment industry, not the adult entertainment industry. <laughs> Every time I say entertainment industry, I feel like it's like But does porn. anyone ever interpret it that way? I can't Maybe imagine. I Especially work. when you say L.A. along with it. Like, I don't think anyone's was like, L.A. entertain. Oh, she does porn. She does porn. <laughs> well, I think we've talked about this before, but there is a porn star with my real name. Shut up. There is. And she has a SAG card. She has a SAG a card. SAG card? But don't you have a SAG card? Yes, I do. I had to change my name because of this woman. <laughs> Oh, this is a beautiful story. I know. Anyway, my heart is broken. So <laughs> Catherine Elise is how everyone knows me now. Okay, okay. So uh, so there's me, and then you have uh, uh, Alicia, who is uh, early 40s in Singapore, um, working in cosmetics. Like She either runs her own branch or runs a cosmetics company in whole. I'm very unclear on the, <laughs> the inner workings. That's fine. I know. We don't need to know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, from I, I believe she's from Hong Kong originally, but has lived in Singapore for a really long time. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm sorry, Alicia. Um, <laughs> then there is C, who is uh, 28. She's Muslim, and she uh, also uh, has limited mobility, so she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are four very different women, but BTS bonded us together to an extent that Tammy and I, uh, she came out to LA, we met up, um, then we met up in New York. Uh, and now she and I are going to, uh, Singapore to go to a show with Alicia. Like I got us tickets oh because of God. a hookup that I had. And so we're going and oh, doing that. Oh, makes that. me so happy. I know. And then hopefully <laughs> getting to stop in. Oh, uh, C is in Malaysia. And so hopefully we'll get to stop in Malaysia and say hi to C as well. So it, it's wow. cool and weird. <laughs> and 
the level of connection. They are the first people I talk to every day and the last people I talk to at night because of the time difference. Mm -hmm. That's just when we're up. And that amount of community is insane. So like BTS obviously is incredibly important, but I think it's also this community and this like-minded thinking that people are finding of the people where it's like, it's not to sound cultish, but it's the closest thing to a religion I've had as an Mm -hmm. adult, Mm -hmm. because it's like literally the moment somebody says that they like BTS, I think to myself, we can probably get along. But also like with any good religion, there are plenty of weirdos that do not believe the same thing as you. Yeah. And you also got to like kind of vet them too. Cause it's like, oh, you like BTS, mm-hmm. but do you like BTS? Yeah. Like how do you <laughs> like, like do you BTS? understand yes. BTS? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Because there are, I definitely have noticed that in some groups, I feel like the group of friends that I have are, we are into very similar things of like interpreting things that come out and talking about lyrics and, and, and sort of looking to them as leaders for daily life conversations that are happening. But there are plenty of people that are just crackheads that are like, Oh, you're pretty. <laughs> and I mean, they are very, very good looking in a lot of different ways. I don't think I know what they look like, but I will Google them later. Oh, I will show you oh, later. Oh, oh later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not a fan, not because I don't like them, just because no, no. like they're not in my zeitgeist right yes. now. Um, I have a few of their songs on my phone because of you specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I did put some songs and I like the catchy tunes. I haven't dissected any no, that's okay. <laughs> lyrics or anything like that. But I uh, just like from what you're telling me, um, I recently got into a anime called Sanrio Boys. Mm-hmm. And it kind of talks about the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and and how we don't allow our boys to love things. Mm. Um, these kids, they're in high school and all of them love Sanrio. And, you know, they have their specific characters that they relate to, that they love. And like, there are some who've like repressed that and like so much so that they get angry at other kids for liking this stuff or like other boys for liking this stuff. And important to note, Sanrio is like the Hello Kitty yes. master company. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Uh, but yeah, so um, it sounds to me uh, from what we've talked about, you know, off mic and on mic, uh, that this group is also kind of helping with that message yeah. of like dismantling toxic masculinity. Yeah. And what's really amazing to me is that, you know, there are a couple guys that started off in the underground rap and dance scene. And so, uh, the members, uh huh. Okay. And which I feel like I've not said their names yet. And I just really want to make sure that everybody knows it's <laughs> Kim Nan Jun, Kim Sok Jin, Min Yoongi, Jang Ho Suk, Park Jimin, uh-huh. uh, uh, Kim Tae Young, and John Jung Kook. I just wanted to make sure that people know I know all seven of them. Yeah, no, you, you did a beautiful job. Thank, thank you, you for that. Thank you. Thank I you. I did have a little mini giggle attack, but it's uh, fine. No, it's fine. Also, <laughs> in case you were wondering that the way that that's ordered is the leader wow, and okay. then and then the age of the members in descent. So the oldest to youngest. So the oldest is the leader? No, the oh. uh, he, the middle is the leader, but mm. he goes up top because he's the leader, because and then the leader. Yeah, yeah. and then it goes from there. <laughs> anyway, can you tell that now, this could be like a five hour now long? Can podcast. you please name them from hair length? 
Sure. So do you want shortest to longest in what era? <laughs> shortest to longest today. Okay, shortest to longest today. I would say um, shortest is probably... See, now we've gone into this whole thing. I mean, I feel like um, J-Hope, Hosok is sort of... He's got the shortest hair right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's RM. Anyway, well, let's move on. I feel like that was a joke that I really started thinking about. I was like, well, Kim Tae-young definitely has the longest because he's been growing his hair out for a while. Although oh, he did get it cut recently. Classic him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel embarrassed that I just went to that place of supreme nerd. I mean, I try to keep... I, try I, to- I took you there, so it's fine. Thank you. It's also really important to know this is maybe the first time that I have openly, publicly Ooh. talked about how deep the love goes. Like I'll do a little Twitter thing of like, Oh, I love them. Or I'm really happy for them. Or like I posted a text of my mom, uh, like sending me a text message that was like, Oh, they got number one on billboard. Yay. Go your boys. And like, <laughs> and that was cute. Um, but for the most part, I, it, it, I know that it is complex for a 30 year old woman to like a boy band that is specifically Korean. I don't. Good. Tell um, me. Okay, so I relate to what you're saying um, in a different level of like, <clears throat> you talked about how you went through a depression mm-hmm. and they kind of helped you with that, uh, discovering them and being able to kind of like admit that you can love a thing. Mm-hmm. Um I went through that a few years ago where I felt very stuck in mm-hmm. myself and I knew that I had this part of me that I wouldn't allow anyone else to see. Mm-hmm. When growing up, I was, you know, very much into cartoons, very much into video games like Pokemon and stuff like that. Like I loved that stuff and I continued doing it, but it was very private. It was very secretive mm-hmm. for me because everyone that I surrounded myself around was not that. Yeah. And they would like they were judgmental Mm -hmm. towards that. And so like, I never let anyone see it until I was probably around like 25, 26 when I was like, Oh, uh, I've always been interested in X-Men, but I've never actually read a comic book. Mm -hmm. Let me see what that's about. And that started my whole, like, now I got to do a deep dive into this thing. And now I got to talk to people about this thing because I can't keep it within myself anymore. And then that's when I started using social media to be like, uh, I just caught a Caterpie in my, you know, <laughs> Pokemon Yellow, and it's my favorite Pokemon in the world. You know, like it's it it was liberating yeah. <laughs> to be able to let that part out in in me to be allowed to love something that someone else might ostracize yeah. or just look down on or whatever. Like, and and so I relate to that part of it. I don't think that I found anything that I can like look at and be like, ooh, that thing is mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. like I. I get that. And I'm so glad someone's talking about it. I think there are like many different things that I can probably look at that can help me with that. Um, But it sounds like this group has like, not maybe single handedly, but who's just like been the biggest part of doing that for you. They totally opened a door to this bigger world that I was craving. And I didn't know that Mm -hmm. that was the thing that I was looking for. And I want to go back just a little bit because yeah. we, we're starting to talk about that toxic masculinity um, conversation. And I find this to be a very interesting and I am so grateful for this part of their history because, you know, 
they now are very PC is not the right word, but like they're aware of their influence. Mm -hmm. And so they're more careful about the way that they move through the world. Uh, But there was a time when they first came out where there was a lot of appropriation of black culture where like definitely RM uh, rap monster Nam June uh, had this like hair that was trying to mimic dreads. And obviously he's Korean. Mm. So that is not the texture of his hair. They're really they were doing that. And there were these songs that had uh, misogyny in the lyrics of being like, oh, you know, like war of hormones, although that is supposed to be. If you really look into the lyrics, it's supposed to be a little tongue in cheek. It's it's sort of poking fun and making fun of the type of guys that are like, oh, I can't control myself. I just want you. Mm-hmm. But that was still in there. And there are other lyrics that are sort of misogynistic. And the way that they've taken ownership of that past is really inspiring. And Uh, allow like they had moments where they were accused of plagiarism of plagiarizing different lyrics and there are um and they acknowledge that that they're like you know what this is part of my history and I was a kid and I was a dumbass and like okay so let's be better today than I was yesterday Mm -hmm. and that is so relatable because I think all of us do stupid things when we're I mean there's so many things I'm embarrassed about when I was younger and and that's an interesting thing to navigate today mm-hmm. because with, you know, social media being the craziness that it is, we have so recently Kevin Hart stepped down from hosting the Oscars yes. because of past tweets that I I mean, supposedly he apologized for them. I never knew anything about them, but um, he, he didn't really. I'll just be honest. I've looked, <laughs> at, I've looked at the responses. He didn't really apologize for anything. Um, But. Yeah, and then so he stepped down. And so they were talking about all these other comedians that have like that kind of uh, Twitter past or social media past who have since, you know, apologized and all that stuff. And it's like we we punish them for it. And I understand. And the conversation is like, do we allow them to grow from that or do we continue to punish them even though that happened in the past and stuff? So like having BTS own their past mm-hmm. and be, I guess, forgiven. Would you say that? That they're forgiven for that? or Yeah, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways they have been. Although there was this really interesting thing. I, it, Of course, there's some part of me that like, it's, it's a, they are people that I love so much that I hesitate to talk about any of the scandals that they've had because of course it's like a thing that I would rather ignore. But that impulse, that feeling of wanting to ignore it makes me say, well, you have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So there was something very recently that I, which again, another reason why I love BTS is like, I have to get educated on so many different things. Like recently there was a big, uh, a big controversy over a shirt that one of the members wore uh, that depicted the bombing of Nagasaki? No, Hiroshima. It was the Hiroshima wow. bomb, I think. And uh, and so there, and that was on Korean Independence Day. And then you learn that Japan and Korea have a very complex, intense history that 
goes very deep. And so there was that controversy that happened while they were about to go have their shows in Japan. And so then they were kind of like being barred. And then there was this picture that came out of this Nazi symbol that one of the uh, BTS members wore on their hat once. I mean, it was a stylist that put them on it, but they were still wearing it for a photo Mm -hmm. shoot. So obviously that like there's, you know, ramifications of that. And then this other show that, uh, where it, it, there was sort of a totalitarian theme to it that seemed like they were supporting Nazis. It was not, that was not what the show was. The show was using those images as sort of a, we need to be breaking free of totalitarian regimes, Mm -hmm. but using those symbols in certain ways. So anyway, all of this to say that I knew nothing about the relationship between Japan and Korea uh, mm-hmm. before all of this happened. And then as that came up, it was like, okay, well, keep your mouth shut about it for the most part because it is not my place to say as a person in America what that whole thing is about. But it is my job to now that I know that there's something complex there to get informed about it. Mm-hmm. So they... uh big hit their their company the people that represent them have uh come out and been like listen we take all the responsibility for this this is not something that uh the members weren't making these choices necessarily but um but we take responsibility for this and there's context and nuance to it but we need to take responsibility i have a question i have maybe an answer that is interesting um because you've kind of described multiple things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wonder how how many times do we forgive it? And how many times do we allow Big Hit yes. to say we're taking responsibility? Yes. The members didn't do it. We did it. That's a great question. Like, and how 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 much do we forgive the members when it's like, oh, but this is happening multiple times. Mm-hmm. And you. I don't know what the culture is there as yeah. far as like the business or anything like that goes. But like, do you feel like they should uh, as public figures and people who have been ha- have done this and learned from it, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully learn from it. Do you feel like we continue to forgive that if it happens time and time again? Or like, do you feel like you forgive them more because you appreciate them on another level? I definitely acknowledge that like, as with anything, when you have a personal bias, when you feel like you know someone, you give them more context and mm-hmm. therefore more forgiveness, mm-hmm. which uh, is human, but maybe not right. Mm. So I acknowledge that. I also think in those particular contexts, I really sit back and listen to the people that are more directly affected by that Mm -hmm. and see how they feel. Uh, And a lot of, at least what I read and granted, it's important to note that clearly the algorithms that the internet are feeding me (laughs) are Uh going to be more pro BTS than not (laughs) because I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, uh, but, but so much of what I was hearing from coming out of Japan was this thing of, this is being made into a bigger deal than it is. And, um, and this is a ploy because of now I feel like I'm about to start talking about things that, um, that I am not totally educated on. So let me not go into that route, but just to say that 
I really felt it was important to listen to people that had more context and information than me. Mm-hmm. And at least what I had seen, it seems that people were on the whole appeased by the conversations and the actions that were happening in different ways. And also acknowledging that it's like, this is over a five-year period. These three things happened. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a totally fair point to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And it's also the reason why I hesitate to bring up. I hesitate to bring up those scandals because of course we want to imagine that everything is (laughs) glowy and and happy. I I think it's fine. And I think it's healthy to have that conversation. Um, I, I wasn't asking because I was like mad at you or anything like that. No, I I felt you, you were mad at me. No, (laughs) I was just like, honestly curious because I don't have the relationship with them that you do. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I just hear you telling me these things and, you know, I don't know what period of time they were spanning. So I was just like curious, like, huh, like that's something that I've been asking or like talking to myself, I guess, mm-hmm. about is just like, how how much do we forgive? And like, do we allow our biases to, um, uh, to uh, inform <laughs> the way we forgive mm-hmm. and you know so it, it's just like an interesting conversation i would say for me because the things the for me the two most unforgivable things ab- about those were all were both about articles of clothing being worn mm-hmm. right and i don't support that i don't think it's a great idea i really wish that they had been smarter about the thing that they chose to wear mm-hmm. but i also think wearing a piece of clothing and the actions that you are doing are very different. Yes. If something came out about them that was an action that they perpetrated against someone else, that would be very, very hard for yeah, me. Yeah, and the example that I kind of like thought of, um, just an interesting comparison, which I don't think that they are doing in the level of, but the first lady wearing mm-hmm. a jacket that says, I really don't care, do you, mm-hmm. going to visit, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and 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 I do judge her for that. because. Yes. But you also don't like her already. Is that true? Um, I didn't really have any issues with her until I realized that she was doing absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, I think that as a society and as a country, we want to forgive her a little bit more yeah. because we view her as a trapped person. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time goes on and as more of this stuff happens and, and as, and as <laughs> she goes on interviews and like allows her husband to be the way he is and mm-hmm. like, um, she doesn't, she makes excuses for him and stuff yeah. and she, she cocks it all up to like, he's a man, you know? And so like, that's what I don't forgive. It's like, oh, you're just a bad person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's being controlled or anything. That's like conspiracy theory areas um, that I'm not going to go into um, that I don't necessarily have, but that's what I see. And so like what I see is like, oh, this is a bad person wearing a bad shirt Mm -hmm. and they can make excuses about like, oh, she didn't know, but like you should. Yeah. Being (laughs) being a person who's viewed that much. And there's also this bigger conversation that I think of a lot because like when this stuff was happening, uh, when this controversy was coming out, I really did have to think a lot about uh, a lot of people when the big hit said like we take total ownership for these things that happened and this wasn't the artist. There was a part of me that did think to myself like, 
how much we talk so much about as fans that BTS is amazing because they have a hand in all of their songs, which is pretty um, rare for K-pop. Mm. And I mean, music in general, right? Mm -hmm. But there are a couple of members that are produce almost every song. And obviously they have other producers. They're not writing only their own things, but they are actively involved and interested in their music. Mm -hmm. And I think they are actively involved and interested in the image that they are portraying. So you can't have it both ways. (laughs) You can't say, oh, they're totally in control of what they're doing and also have no agency about this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think as with everything, it's all in the middle. You know, it's I'm sure that they do have a lot of creative control of their music now, Mm -hmm. five years in after they've reached this level of success. But also there are a lot of things that are done for them. And and the other conversation to have and I don't have an answer for this. It's something that I think about often, Mm -hmm. because as we know, I'm uh, working on a larger piece to talk about the complexities Mm -hmm. of being a fan of pop music in general and then K-pop specifically because the entertainment industry anywhere is insane. And there are so many horrible things that are done to K-pop stars, not necessarily BTS, or at least nothing has been said about that, but there are K-pop stars who have been strangled by their managers who are, uh, so many of the women are frequently told like, you have to be under this weight in order to be seen on stage. There are, but again, that I don't think that's uh, limited only to Korea. That's something that obviously right. happens in America too oh, yeah, and yeah. all over the world. So, but I want to talk about those complexities. Mm-hmm. I think about that. And with BTS, their net positive to me is worth so much more than any negative that's happened. Mm-hmm. But that's to me. You know, yeah, yeah. it's to me. It's not, I, I don't know how they've affected other people Uh, and I think it's really important to, and for me, what I feel like they teach us is to be curious and to take in information and to think critically and to not just accept things exactly as they are. That has been something that I love about BTS and it would be a disservice to say, oh, let's swipe all this stuff under the rug. Mm -hmm. Um, because I learn a lot. I, I think you always learn from people's failures. You do not learn from their successes. Mm. And another reason why BTS has the following it does is because they came from a little agency that had like one or two other acts before they had BTS, but they were no one like they big hit was not a big conglomerate in any way. And BTS, we watch them get ignored and cut out of shows and uh, not be taken seriously in Korean media to the extent that they ended up breaking big internationally before they ever broke big in Korea. And that we watch their struggles and I think their struggles are just as important. So now when you have something like Epiphany, which I pulled up the lyrics for, (laughs) (laughs) bringing it around. Uh, When you have a lyric in Epiphany that says, I'm the one I should love in this world, shining me, precious soul of mine. I finally realized, so I love me. Not so perfect, but so beautiful. I'm the one I should love. That lyric resonates with me in my personal life. And it also has this ripple effect of knowing their struggle and what they've gone through to get to this point and how 
loving themselves is not easy. Mm-hmm. And it's not just this thing that they're throwing out there as like a thing you should say. You know, it's a thing that they are actively trying to participate in in a daily basis. And sometimes they succeed. Some sometimes they succeed, and sometimes they fail. Mm-hmm. And then it starts resonating with you in this way of like, oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. I feel that way too. Whoa, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, I appreciate that, and I and I would like for <laughs> the entire world to be able to like. Um, follow that, I guess, mm-hmm. um, this, this idea of we are all human and we will make mistakes mm-hmm. and hopefully we will learn from them because I think we do live in an interesting time where everything is punishable. Um, it's, it's interesting and I, I don't have any answers. <laughs> yeah. I think where I kind of fall on it is. If you can never be redeemed, what's the point, right? Like, if I'm going to get real fucking dark, sorry, I curse. Um, No, I I curse a lot on this show, so it's fine. Great. (laughs) So if I'm going to get real fucking dark, it's like, if you are only ever your mistakes and, and every good thing that you ever do gets erased from those mistakes, the moment you make one mistake you should just cancel, cancel this life. Hmm. And I don't believe that. I don't think you should do that. I think there has to be a road to redemption. I think that's what life is about. What so many of our great myths are about are failing and getting better. Mm -hmm. Because if you never fail, you never know that there's something that you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about shame and how uh, shame can be a tool for great good it can also be a tool that keeps you isolated and makes you hide. But there is something that happens with shame where if you notice, for me, my greatest shames are always when I feel like I have disappointed or hurt another person in my life. Mm-hmm. And what a gift that can be to know that for me, my great shames are feeling disconnected from another person and trying to be better to allow people to feel connected to me at all times. So if I, if I want to feel connected at all times to people, then do I really want to say this thing because it makes somebody feel disconnected from me? No, it's not worth it. Like that is not worth it. Like when you, when you talk about comedy and these jokes of, you know, oh, PC culture, PC culture. Listen, if something is funny, it's funny. There are so many times that it is not funny or it's not funny enough to justify the pain that you are causing someone else. Mm-hmm. So all of that to be said, I believe we can be redeemed, but I also believe that it is not us, up to us to decide when we have reached the point of redemption. It should be up to the person that feels wrong. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm going to regret that later. I don't know. This I just like I, you skip know to this like <laughs> world where I've done something horrible and then I don't know, I'm a, like a Lena Dunham. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about Lena Dunham, but I hope you are never Lena Lena Dunham. I feel complicated about Lena Dunham. Let me tell you what, real complicated. Um, I just, uh, her public life is so interesting. Um, Just the things that she says and her actions. She's uh, the type of person that blames everyone around her for everything. 
Here, okay, here's some, I'm going to say a real crazy thing. Also, we've gotten very <laughs> off topic and I'm, I don't mind. Um, here's what I'm going to say about Lena Dunham. It's okay to not comment on things. Agreed. Like, there are so many things where it's like, if you just kept your mouth, who was asking you for a comment? Uh-huh. Just keep your mouth shut. Uh-huh. Like, it, it is, it, there are, yeah, I, I, um, can understand if somebody is calling you and asking for a comment that you might feel compelled to give one, but really stop for a second and go, who does it serve? I think the thing that bothers me (laughs) so far off, the thing that bothers me about her though, is that she makes everything about her. That's true. Um, And I remember hearing this story that she was telling about how she was at some event, some gala or something, I don't know. And she was sitting at a table with a football player and she said that the football player was just ignoring her oh, the entire yes. time. Mm-hmm. And like he wasn't paying attention to her. Anytime she tried to talk to him, like he was just like disinterested. He was always on his phone and yada, yada, yada. And she was like, it's because I'm not a beautiful, like skinny model and mm-hmm. blah, blah. But the thing that she failed to do, I don't know what the table situation was. But the thing that she failed to do was say whether or not there was another person sitting next Mm -hmm. to him that he was talking to who was a skinny beautiful model Mm -hmm. or anything like that like she just said he didn't like me because Mm -hmm. of the way I look Mm -hmm. and it was like okay but you also didn't like justify if that was true or not like you didn't like but what was going on around him was he talking to anyone at Mm -hmm. the table like maybe he was just like on his phone because he didn't want to be there and it had nothing to do with you yes and so like that's why I, I, I like have this like not animosity towards her, but just like this, like go away, like, yeah. like not go away as in don't work anymore. And like yeah, in the yeah. industry, like do what you need to do. But just like I don't have to hear everything that you're yes. saying because you're allowed your feelings, but also recognize that not everything is about you. Yes. And I a understand that she came into prominence when she was pretty young. So people do stupid stuff when they're young, but also the broader thing is in Los Angeles, of course, we are privy to a lot of the ways that the industry treats celebrities. Mm -hmm. And it is very self-focused. And I think if you get famous at a young age, which if you get famous at a young age, there is a real predilection to believe that the world revolves around you. Yes. And it doesn't. And also like so many people do not care what you're doing, but because there's Instagram and there's Twitter and there's all this other stuff, those are the people that are seeking you out to say, I care, I care, I care about you. We're the stars of our, of our shows. Like Mm -hmm. every single person out there who has a social media account, like you're the star of your show. Mm -hmm. Because people have said, I want to tune in. And mm-hmm. then you forget that there's like a broader world that does not give a fuck about you. Right. <laughs> and you don't have to contribute to this conversation. I think it's so important to think about when you don't need to contribute to the yeah. conversation. And I've and I've definitely had to learn that growing up and stuff because I have definitely contributed to conversations that I am not educated about whatsoever. And like, to. that's my, my mistake. And I'll own up to that. And I try to like, sit back and listen more than I just mm-hmm. like spew things. I think oftentimes I feel like I'm just spewing nonsense when I have this thing in my head. I just don't know how to verbalize it. Yes. <laughs> and I have so often like wanted to, I love looking smart and that gets me in so much trouble because I just say things like I 
know them. Uh And then afterwards, I'll think back on it and be like, oh, did I really know that? And also, like, why did I care so much about sounding smart to these people and like informed and knowledgeable? Like, it's one of those things where. Again, if you don't look inside yourself and sort of acknowledge what your own personal feelings are, you're doomed to repeat this forever and ever. But uh, but I do think we, I don't know, maybe we're just reaching that age of being aware of like, yeah. oh, there's more than just us. And, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, let's get back to oh, great. <laughs> How BTS. do we get back? Uh, I think we're going to we're going to wrap very soon. Okay. Um, we are like at an hour now. Mm. Um but uh, tell me a little bit about your experience going to this concert, being surrounded physically by all the fans. And um, like, what was that experience for you? So to go back to the very beginning conversation, the reason why I bought the tickets for this concert was because the thought of a stadium full of people singing that lyric to Epiphany, I knew that I would cry. Mm-hmm. I knew it because also it's half in English, half in Korean. And so I was like, a stadium of 40,000 people, I think was in City Field. Stadium of 40,000 people singing in Korean and English. I'm the one I should love. Yes, sign me up. This feels like a moment I want to be a part of when so much in the world is making me sad these days. This Mm -hmm. feels beautiful. And I went and I, the song before Epiphany is the song Seesaw, which is, written by uh my one of my favorite I always I I feel weird saying that I have a favorite (laughs) because I really do love them all in different ways but the one that is my bias uh he he wrote uh and produced this song Mm -hmm. Seesaw and I know that rap was such a big deal for him and Jay-Z was such a big deal for him. And there's just like, so I am I was like, wow, could he have known when he was a little kid in Daegu that he would be performing in a stadium in New York city where so many of his favorite artists are, and that all of these people would be singing his lyrics with me or with him. And I started uncontrollably (laughs) sobbing. So I thought I was going to, I was like, well, I'll definitely cry at Epiphany probably. And, but it will be like a quiet, very dignified (laughs) cry. And it just happened. And again, that's the crazy thing about this relationship is that this person who I have never met, let's be very clear. I've been in very tiny rooms with them of like 200 people, which was very exciting (laughs) to me. Um, And I've been to Billboard Music Awards, which they were also at. And that was very exciting to me. But these people who I've never met, I support their goals in this way that is... It's a fanatic. Like, I'm a fanatic. I'm not just a fan. I'm fanatic about their success, fanatic about them being able to achieve their hopes and dreams. And... And they, I just feel happy when they get to do things that are important to them. Mm-hmm. And that has also opened up this world to getting to sort of in the safety, because we've talked a little bit about fandom, but I think you can learn so much about human interaction in fandom. And that because my heart opened in this way, that was very safe to these seven people, because it's... a it's not a one-sided relationship, but it's, it's safely contained. Right. Mm-hmm. And because I was able to have this equal exchange of what this emotion feels like with these strangers, all of a sudden I was able to start doing that with people in my real life of 
being so excited and happy and grateful for their successes. So as I'm at this concert and I'm just feeling so grateful for everything that's happening with them, I'm there with my friend, Bonnie, and um, we just met a new friend who uh, she was, she came a She studies in New York, but she was originally from Malaysia, I think, or maybe it was Singapore. I think it was Singapore because I was like, oh, I have a friend from Singapore. And uh, and so we're having this exchange and everybody starts singing this lyric, the lyric that I bought the tickets for. And Bonnie just immediately started filming me (laughs) and she knew. And I the. The video, it is on my Instagram, is so embarrassing, but also so beautiful. It is the best way to encapsulate my feelings about them because I don't look cool at all. I don't care for a second if I look cool. I am just experiencing and being in the moment with them and was awe inspired. And I'm like sitting there with my, so I'm like filming with one hand and then I have, uh, and then I'm like, acknowledging that I'm a 30 year old woman that's like really having a moment. And so I'm like covering uh, my mouth with my other hand and I'm like shaking crying. And I am like, even in the moment, I remember thinking to myself, this will be embarrassing someday, (laughs) but I had enough. I was outside of myself enough to just let myself experience this emotion in front Mm. of other people in a way that I have only ever felt before when I'm in a movie theater, have allowing myself to sort of collectively experience these emotions with other people. Mm-hmm. I've never let myself in the midst of all my anxiety about crowds and what it's going to be like having everybody pushed up against me because I was in general admission. All of it went away and I was just there and we were all together and we were just having this beautiful connected moment. So it was beautiful. <laughs> in conclusion yes it's beautiful um, is everything i could have wanted no that's great um i did want to talk about the toxic side of fandom but i don't think we'll do that i know it's a longer conversation <laughs> i know uh yeah just uh uh based on what we had discussed prior um to this day um i that's another fascinating topic uh which i would love to talk about we'll talk about someday yeah for sure But uh, I'm going to leave it on a positive note. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Let's be happy. And may I recommend uh, if if I was going to recommend one song, may I? Yeah. So obviously I love Epiphany. Everyone should listen to Epiphany. It's so great. But the other song that really speaks to me off their last album, Love Yourself Answer uh, or uh, no, Love Yourself Tear. It's on Love Yourself Tear. Great. Yes. (laughs) So it's a a song called Paradise and it talks about how we're all running to these destinations that we don't even know if we really want it, that it's something that society has put out there for us and take a take a breath, take a beat and try and figure out what you actually really want. Mm. That's a good message. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, we did it, I Catherine. Know. Also, <laughs> man, I felt like I word vomited all over you. I just no. feel very passionate. No, no, no. It was it's wonderful to I love talking to people who have a passion about something and who know why and can express why. Not just this like I have this like teen fascination with this <laughs> thing that they don't really understand but like someone who like actually has this passion and like appreciates it for what it is and and beyond and all that whatever mm-hmm. i i love talking to people and hearing them talk about the thing that they're passionate about so Yay. it's pretty much why i started this podcast because it's like <laughs> you love a thing tell me why yeah <laughs> so 
Thank you so much. Um, that's BTS. Wow. And there's so much more. There is there's a, so much more. Which I should start a podcast is really what I'm realizing. <laughs> I just started a podcast only to talk about this, but I don't want to monetize the thing I love. So, um, Catherine, you are the queen of plugs. Um, <laughs> wh- where can people find you if they want to find you uh, besides BTS fan one? Yes. Besides BTS fan one, you can find me on Twitter at Catherine, not IRL. That's Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, not in real life. Uh, and if you want to come say hi about BTS or a million other nerdy things, please do. Uh, I will be, you can see me on Netflix on Adam Ruins Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you posted a photo of I that. I know. I, I'm my face of the thumbnail of one of the episodes which is Shut my up. mom thought it was just oh for God. her she was like is netflix curating the thumbnail my mom <laughs> you know what there's there's an innocence in that that i love yes also just to be very clear my mother sounds nothing like that it's the annoying mom voice nobody's, we all do nobody's parents sound the way that they make their parents sound. no <laughs> she's an elegant thoughtful woman that occasionally has a southern accent every once in a while. Mm, so mm. yes, and uh, yes. So find me on Twitter, Catherine not IRL, uh, or Instagram, which I also have. And you can see us on D and D live on mm. Sundays at eleven a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Richard and I are both on that. Uh, Venture Ventures is the name yeah, of the Twitch channel. On Twitch, yeah. I've gotten better at this. Remember when I didn't <laughs> know any of these things? Yeah. Now I know. So come visit us and hang Yay, out. Hang out. Uh, that's it. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Yay, that was Catherine Elise. Um, thank you, Catherine, again for being on the show to talk about BTS. Um, yeah, so now is the time where I give you my recommendations. Um, so this year, so just so all of you know, I am on uh, Goodreads and I participate in the yearly or the annual challenge of like how many books are you going to read this year? And in the past, I think I've had more books than I've recently had on there because there's just no time. But uh, last year I had a, a a goal of 15 books and I got through 17. Um, I finished one right at the end of the year. So I was very happy about that. It's called The Air I Breathe. And I am so shamed that I don't have, you know what? Let me just pull up the uh, the the Goodreads right now. And I can tell you exactly who wrote it. It's a Brazilian woman. <laughs> I just can't remember her name. So let's ramble about it a little bit while I get this app up. Um, the Air I Breathe is a, a book about two women who are growing up in Brazil and uh, they both have a passion for music. One of them grew up poor working at the house where the other one lived. Uh, it's a, a, a sugar plantation, sugarcane plantation or whatever. And um, so they grow up best friends, very living completely different lives. Uh, but they they go on a life journey together to become famous musicians. And the way it all happens is quite fascinating. And the story is beautiful and tragic. And um, that's not really a spoiler because at at the very top of the the book, they kind of tell you what happens or what's going to happen. Uh, And then they explore the, the whole story. And it's really good. So the the book is written by and forgive me, I don't know the Portuguese um, pronunciations, but uh, it's written by Francis de Pontes uh, Pebles or Pebles. I'm not sure. 
Um, but it's called the air you breathe. I kept saying the air I breathe, but it's called the air you breathe. Uh, really, really, really good. I it was probably my favorite book that I read last year. So go pick that up. I'm not sure if I talked about this at, at in the last episode, but if I did, then you get a double dose of it. Um, so go pick that up. It came out in August of last year. It's really, really good. I definitely recommend it. The other thing that I'm going to recommend is a show on Freeform. A lot of you know that I loved The Fosters when it was on. Uh, it's over now. It ended last year. But this year, uh, they started the spinoff called Good Trouble. And it's starring Maya Mitchell and Sierra Ramirez, I think is her name. Um, the two sisters from the original show, uh, and it it explores their life living in LA straight out of college, starting their jobs and everything. One of them is an engineer, a software engineer, I guess, um, at a tech company. The other one is a, a clerk for a judge and a conservative judge. And so what I love about the show is that they're really showing, not really like telling you how to feel or anything like that, but they're really showing and exploring the social issues of today um, through these these women's personal lives and professional lives. You know, one of them is a Latina woman working in a tech company where it's run by, you know, white men and there aren't very many women working there. She's like one of three, you know, uh, women working at this company and, and it explores kind of like how, uh, people of color sometimes have to deal with the, the white man, you know, working in, in the position of power and, and the people of color kind of having to, uh, roll over at, at, at their own expense, you know, when people are making jokes, racial jokes or, or sexist jokes, or just being racist and sexist. And like, how do you navigate that in today's world where there's so much more empowerment or we're fighting for more empowerment of, uh, of minorities? Um, and, and it doesn't really give you any answers to it. It's just like showing you like, this is a very real thing. Let's explore it. Uh, so I really like that. And then also, you know, uh, tackling one of the characters is working, like I said, as a clerk for a conservative judge and tackling like what are the conservative views versus the liberal liberal views. And, and again, showing you kind of like both sides of the argument and both the point of views and not necessarily painting anyone as a bad guy, but just painting them as a human. And so... It's very, very fascinating. I loved The Fosters, as I've said a million times, and I love this show, and I think that people should be uh, jumping on it. I also love the soundtracks, um, the music that they that they choose. Whoever's uh, making those decisions, bravo. I don't know the titles <laughs> of, of, of people in the entertainment business. I don't know if that person has an official title or not, but <laughs> whoever's making those uh, music choices... Uh, Bravo again. Um, so yeah, those are the two things that I would recommend. And then I'm going to get a little bit nerdier with my last recommendation, which is a board game. Ah, we're, we're circling back around. Um, so the board game that I'm recommending is called Wingspan. It just came out this year, published by Stonemaier. Um, and it's it's a game about birds. <laughs> and it's it's got you know, great art and everything. And basically the point of the game is that uh, you take up like an occupation, I guess, in the form of bonus cards. And um, you you 
each occupation kind of has or profession, I guess. I don't know, because there's like an oologist, there's like photographer and stuff like that. And each person needs to like accomplish a certain thing to get some points at the end of the game. So like a photographer, like their goal is to uh, collect as many birds with colors in their name. So like a ruby throated so-and-so uh, would give you uh, more points towards your end goal uh, point I don't know whatever <laughs> so uh, it's it's doing things like that you're collecting eggs and you're giving away eggs and you're collecting birds and like food and stuff to feed the birds and get them into your into your like fields and stuff like that anyway it's really fun um, oh, I don't know about really fun but it's really relaxing to play uh, I haven't actually I'm a loser you guys uh, no sorry not a loser that's very judgmental of myself <laughs> um, I uh, spend a lot of time alone <laughs> And so I've played the solo version of this game many, many times already. And it's always just so relaxing to me um, because it, there's to me, there's no pressure to like beat anything, though you are playing when you're playing solo, you are still playing against like a like a, a, a fake person, I guess, because they do have a solo mode where you have like cards for this non-real person and they have certain actions that they will do each time so you are still like playing against a, a, a thing but um there's to me doesn't feel like it's still competition like i still like to be like "Ooh, i finally beat this guy it won about three times <laughs> but it's fun i like it it's relaxing um so that's my other recommendation uh i i think it might be like 60 dollars. so it's kind of a uh, heavy price but not like extremely heavy priced for a board game but uh, yeah, it's just relaxing. It's nice. It's up to five players, two to five players. So if uh, you you like board games, I would say check that out. Um, and yeah, that's going to be the end of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I have a fun interview coming up uh, for next month, February. We're already at the end of January. You know, this is the last week. <laughs> I meant to put this up way sooner, but uh, you know, life happens. So yeah. Uh, Next month, you guys will have another interview. I'm excited about this. This is someone that I just met, but I think they are very cool. And yeah, I'm not going to talk about what the interview is going to be because what if it falls through? You never know. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Thank you all again so much for listening. Um, yeah, uh, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. And I will see you, see you, hear you, speak to you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>